Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steeler. Fury. Is your SteelerFury.com podcast? Uh, I'm your host, Brad Shadow Ben. Uh, I'm I'm taking a knee in the beginning of this podcast. I don't know what that means because there's no. I, I'm taking a knee to the Steeler Fury theme song, I guess. <laughs> uh, with me, uh, amidst no controversy and nothing to talk about, and no losing, and no uh, heart rendering uh, performance in Chicago, is as usual. My cohorts, uh, first of all. He's in Pittsburgh, Suburban Zone 22, as usual. His name is Steel Perch. How are you, sir? Better stand your ass up before I hang up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's like uh, Game of Thrones, you know, just like I bend the knee. Um, anyway, um, also with me is our curmudgeonly cohort. He of the uh, somewhere in the in the deep south. His name is FC, and he's with us. How are you, sir? I'm fairly well. If uh, since we went to Game of Thrones, I guess I would be sort of like the Hound of Games of Thrones. <laughs> do you have a brother like that? I do. He's a fucking bastard. But that's a different story. Yeah, I kind of have a brother like that as well. So I almost I almost qualified like that. <laughs> yeah, that must have been fun. Yeah, that explains a lot, actually. Um, sure. Kurt, speaking of uh, big brothers and little brothers. Um, is there any way to explain Mike Glennon uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers versus Mike Glennon against everyone else in the league? You know, it was two different Mike Glennon. It's not like he beat us twice. The first time they played, he did well by throwing the long ball. He didn't do anything but hand the ball off this week. So I, I, I don't think you can uh, canonize uh, Mike Glennon based on what happened on Sunday. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as if Mike Glennon did a lot of damage on his own this week. Uh, but it's just it's just amazing to me that the guy can't uh, front an offense to beat anyone else in the NFL, basically. I mean, we talk about this every year, FC, uh, in terms of what the Steelers do uh, against teams that are at least viewed on paper as being worse than them going on the road early in the season. This seems like a part of rite of passage for the Steelers. I mean, I'm going to ask this question. I just I just posted something a minute ago. I have memories of the Steelers during the absolute heyday of the Knoll years, and they would lose a what-the-fuck game, you know, sometimes uh, earlier midseason that you would just think there's no way on earth they should be losing to, uh, you know, the, the St. Louis Cardinals or something like that uh, based on the fact that they would just steamroll, you know, team after team after team, and then they'd play a bad team um, and not do that well. You know, with the, with the years, I've started to accept that there's, you know, a psychological component that has nothing to do with, the coaches or players or preparation, but you would think after this happens year after year that it's uh, you know it's almost it feels intentional almost. 
Uh, did they set themselves up for failure, FC? That's my question. I mean, I get your point, but if you look at this past week in the NFL, I think there were 16 games. I think the underdog either covered or won outright 13 of the 16. You know, it was ridiculous. That makes no excuse, you know, for, you know, the Steelers' performance. You know, if going into this game, I believe that wide receivers had two catches Sunday in the Bears game. I could be incorrect. It could be three. But going no, I think into it was one, one ride, only one wide receiver actually caught a pass. There was only two right. targets. Okay, there you go. I mean, if you would, if, if I would have told you that, you would have figured the Steelers won by at least three touchdowns. You know, uh, the thing that really disappoints me is they seem to find, I wish I could say new ways to lose games, but they end up losing games, like these types of games, one of two ways. They either get the ball jammed down their throat or it's just turnover after turnover after turnover and bad decision after bad decision. I think there was many turnovers, but it was bad decisions. It was poor. You know, the coaching was poor. The play was absolutely poor. And the team wasn't mentally prepared to professional football game on Sunday. All those things. I yeah, think. They, they clearly, I mean, they, they clearly looked distracted is not quite the right word, but sort of, um, I, I used the analogy uh, with someone earlier this week. You know, like if you have a fight with your, your wife or your uh, you know, significant other, uh, and you whatever the thing is you go off to do next, it's really hard, even even if you know you're, it didn't think you were it, it bothered you that much, and you feel like you're you put that behind you and you went to work or whatever, it just it sticks with you. You know when you got when you got something going on that you feel emotional about, good or bad, or even just annoyed, um, you know, just feel like it's very uh, difficult to put that 100% behind you, uh, and it just I mean I'm purely reading body language and maybe reading something into it because I was feeling uh you know uh emotional about it that it just looked like the team you know was not a hundred percent over whatever division that they felt you know it was just that sense of like they didn't feel hundred percent uh team or something like i got you know I don't know exactly what um perch you can comment or not comment on that part as you want but i have a specific question which is do you think part of the problem is that the expectations for the Steelers? Uh, particularly early in the season, are high. They're, they're too high, and these point spreads are too far in their favor. I mean, is that? I guess what I'm saying is, is it some of this perception that the teams are closer than point spreads would make it seem? Yeah, I mean, this is the NFL. Every team has got a lot of talent, you know. And then and the, the separation between a 10 and 6 team and a 6 and 10 team is sometimes one or two guys. I mean, it's it's that close to talent levels. And yeah, I think that uh, it's a fantasy football world now. You got Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, national perceptions of your team are probably going to be a little bit higher than maybe what they are in reality. Um, it still doesn't absolve the team from just the shitty, shitty performances year after year. And you could see it. We even talked about it on the podcast last year. We always do bad in Chicago. We usually lay an egg somewhere around week three or week four against a really bad team that six weeks later we look back at that game and like, how in the world did you not win that by 20? It happens. And it keeps happening. And, and the biggest takeaway for me was when something starts to go wrong in a game like that stretch zone where they can't defend it 
can never make an adjustment in the game to get it fixed. You know, Keith Butler's out there spouting off about how angry he is today and and uh, how he's not going to do the same things they did last week and they're going to put some new wrinkles in. Well, couldn't you have obviously seen what was going on during that game last week and make some changes at halftime, during the third quarter, during the second quarter, at any point in time during the game, make a change and get it fixed? I don't, I don't know. But anytime a game starts going downhill like that, you could just turn off the TV because they're not getting it fixed. They're not changing during the game. Okay. I mean, generally, I agree with you that they they do seem to be slow to make these kinds of adjustments sometimes. But I will also say that in the third and fourth quarter of that game, uh, they they seem to have adjusted to it and they seem to be playing it better and so on and so forth. I guess the more the bigger mystery to me is that how it fell apart so quickly in overtime because they they did actually uh, you know string out those runs and Chicago's offense did nothing in the second half really. Um, so. It's like after after making the adjustments and seeing that it worked better, you know how do you how do you get guys? Because it, it seemed more like guys were were not like the play calls were bad, you know, not just that the adjustment like the play calls were leaving a safety deep that normally would be in the box against the team that you feel like is going to run against you, and instead there was just a wide open gap there that safeties had to try to come up from fifteen or twenty yards deep and make a play, which you know most of the times is not going to leave you in a good position. So, I mean, Perch, do you, don't, you do not think they adjusted a little bit? Go ahead. Not really. I mean, go back to week one when Cleveland was playing two deep safeties and the Steelers couldn't figure out they maybe ought to run the ball against us. It just didn't happen. And then, you know, I think part of what happened there in overtime was even late in the game, the corners were tired of getting trying to tackle a 230-pound guy. You saw already Burns literally turn his back and run away from a hole where the running back ran right through. And then, you know, there was two plays in overtime when there was an obvious hold on I think one was on Hayden, one was on Burns on the outside where he got turned around, grabbed his jersey, and, you know, thrown out of the play. There was multiple holds that just didn't get called in that game. So not to make an excuse, but uh, those they all, you had all those things together, and that's that's the result you get. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. If you're going to lose a game, losing a non-conference game early in the season is probably the one to lose, I guess. And, it, and I don't think anybody thought they were going to be 16-0. and It's just a question of, you know, what kind of adjustments they're going to make. I'm, you know, FC, uh, I think it's uh, clear that the Steelers have a different kind of mindset and style on the road than they do at home. And and to be to be fair to them, um, their road record is actually pretty good over the last six, seven years compared to what most NFL teams do. Um, but it's definitely a different mentality. And that doesn't bode well for this week because they basically play the Ravens they play the Ravens as if it's a road game, even when they're in, in Hines. When they when they go to Baltimore, it just feels like they they completely lose their minds for playing, you know, tight. Uh, foot, like they just they start from the beginning as if it's you know they're afraid to to uh, show their hand or afraid to do anything where there's any risk involved. Uh, am I the only one that sees it that way? I don't disagree. Um... I just think that in a lot of ways that the this team is how can I put this? They're mentally weak. They're a reflection of their coaching staff. We have a mentally weak offensive coordinator. We have a mentally weak defensive coordinator. We've got a mentally weak head coach. I believe they're very insecure. That's why you see this boorish behavior, this brazen behavior. Um, I believe that they draft mentally weak, incompetent players. Um, just look at our linebackers, from Jarvis Jones to 
You know, do we do? I I don't think that anybody really wants to talk about the 15 missed tackles by our linebackers this past week against the Bears. You know, it's it's not it's not a great you know subject. You know, um, we were we were quick to point out my comments about about Bud Dupree. Well, you know, kind of accurate looking at you know, um, what was that grade? Negative what? 14.25 last week. I mean, it's 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 really easy to to. to the point for the players and for us to, to say, well, this always happens. Well, you know, we got new players and uh, we got first round picks. And uh, at what point do uh, they have to perform? What, at what point does David DeCastro make that $10 million a year? At what point does Marquise Pouncey make that $9 million a year? Earn it. You know, and uh, I, I would love to blame Todd Haley and Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin. But I believe it's every bit as much the players. And coming into Baltimore, the Steelers seem to have three or four stinkers every year, and they seem to have three or four just great performances. And you're going to get one of the two this week against Baltimore. You know, will I be shocked that if this team, you know, comes into this game a little bit more prepared, unified, mentally strong, with a chip on its shoulder? No. But do I think it's going to happen? Eh, I'm 50-50, and that's the problem. I, I, do I think the Steelers have superior talent to a majority of the teams in the AFC? Yes. Lots of the Bears now. But, you know, it seems that the Steelers are so worried about what's going on around them and they don't look ahead. You know, they're always, you know, trying to live up to a legacy. You know, Mike Tomlin got to walk by those trophies and he has a lot to live up to. And I think that he realizes that he's never going to that he's not the man that Chuck Noll was. He doesn't have the players. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, you know, there's kind of an, a big advantage for the players, <laughs> you know, being able to accumulate players like the Steelers did sure, at that yeah, time. Sure, Having drafting advantages of drafting and also being able to draft from schools that most people weren't looking at. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot Absolute. of things, advantages tons, that they have. Tons of things. But we're at the here and now. And what are you going to do to have success? Because, you know, you mentioned the Steelers have been a good road team. I think Ben Roethlisberger is the third winningest quarterback on the road over the last seven years. His quarter, his winning percentage is absolute, is great. His statistics are absolutely terrible. I mean, he's a worse yeah. quarterback on the road than, let's say, Colin Kaepernick was over the last five years. I mean, it was a statistic. We didn't like it. You and I actually had a nice little discussion, argument about it online. It, it, it is what it is. And the, and the thing is, you know, they, that's nothing to sneeze at, the winning the games. Whatever that is that we hate about what they're doing on the road and whether or not we think they could be doing something different that would work better, um, the actual results are, are pretty good. So I, you, know, you can see somebody arguing results, even though they might have been fortunate to get the result that they got based on what they were doing, you know. Anyway, um, Perch, um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the injury situation, because I think that was a big factor last week. It could be a big factor this week. Um, how do you see that swinging? Who do you think, uh, based on reading the tea leaves practice this week, do you think, uh, for instance, that Dupree, Tewitt, uh, Gilbert play this week? 
I think Gilbert and Foster are the ones to worry about. Uh, they haven't practiced yet, and, you know, today's Friday. We'll, we'll see about those practice reports. But uh, or I guess Gilbert practiced uh, one day, and then the next day he was back to being limited again, which isn't a good sign to go backwards. So he's dealing with a hamstring or something like that. It sounds like there might be an issue there. I don't know. Foster, I mean, it's a finger. Uh, I think he'd be able to wrap that sucker up, but uh, you never know. I mean, you can't really uh, grab and, and push the way that he needs to with a broken finger. So, um, yeah, those are the two I'd worry about. It sounds like everybody else, it sounds like two it's on track and, and everybody on the defense, uh, Sean Davis and all those guys are, are probably going to be back again this week. I mean, Bryant didn't practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, yeah, uh, I just look. read today. He said he's 100% good to go, had a flu and uh, stomach cramps and that sort of a thing, but uh, he's back at it today, going to practice, and, and he'll be playing. So. Okay, good. They, I was, they I just, sent you know, players home. They said they actually sent some players home, too, because they didn't want everybody to end up being sick. So yeah. I th- I actually think that uh, I'm also the most concerned about Foster. I actually have a feeling that Gilbert's going to play. I think that the, the big thing that kept him out was the flu. Um, and, I mean, I think Ramon Foster's not playing center. He can just cast it up and cut it off after the game. You know, if they wanted to, he could, you know, go out there with the, the weapon. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, the, the name we didn't mention is T.J. Watt, but it's like if you get T.J. Watt and Tewitt back, that, that definitely solves Absolutely. at least some of your ills on defense, right? Yeah, um, I think the Ravens actually have far more concerns with injuries than the Steelers do going into this game. Because I think the, the Ravens' best defensive players are going to be out, and it's going to be a huge loss for them and Brandon Williams. Yeah, he was actually confirmed to be out today. He's He's scratched. Yeah, I think it's a yeah, Liz Frank a really fracture. To be honest with you, I think it's a Liz. Fr- I actually watched the injury, and if it's a Liz Frank, I think his career might be over. Three hundred fifty pound yeah. men with broken feet with with that with that bone break, you're you're done. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When you're when you're a two hundred pound guy and you do that, it's bad enough. Uh, but when you when you are three hundred fifty pounds, uh, that's a definitely a a life changer for at least you know play, a player changer. Um, well, the life changer, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, what was your take, Perch, in this game against Chicago uh, about where the running game is at? Is it just too hard to tell without Gilbert being out there? Because that seemed to be, you know, they spent so much time sort of chasing their tail with substitute uh, guys that we didn't. It's really hard to tell if Bell is finally starting to round into form. You know, how big a deal do you think this is? I mean, some of it, the blocking hasn't been as good as last year, but even last year, I mean, he was making guys miss behind the line of scrimmage at the hole with that sharp, sudden jump cut where he would change directions, explode, and accelerate. That's gone. I don't know if it's rust, if it's from the groin surgery. I don't. I can't explain what it is, but that's gone. So everything that was made Le'Veon Bell great was that, that sudden change and then his ability to go from zero to 60 – very quick, you know, after he uses patience. Now he's just patient to the hole, or he's not even patient at the hole sometimes. He just hits the hole, gets first contact, and goes down for two yards. It's just it's like a completely different play. It's basically what I expected James Conner to be in the pros is what Le'Veon Bell is right now. It, hopefully it gets better, you know, until I see Apparently that Apparently they like that. They they drafted James Conner. They, <laughs> they must have liked that feature in Bell. Teasing. Again, uh, my better wishes. Yeah, I mean, well, the other thing of concern, FC, is that they don't really have the style 
change in terms of uh, different pieces at running back. You know, they kind of have, they don't really have anybody who's a quick change artist if if, uh, Bell isn't, right? Right. I mean, the play calling has been terrible and the offensive line play. Um, It's not, I, Pouncey and DeCastro have been absolutely brutally bad. And it's just, why throw the two of them under the bus? They just, they're, I mean, between the two of them, I believe they're making 19 million bucks and they're just not earning it. I mean, they're they're getting walked. They're losing balance line of scrimmage. They're allowed penetration. They're missing blocks on the move. Um, they're getting called for stupid penalties. It's just thing after thing after thing. I'd expect issues with a you know with Finney or you know with Hubbard or even to a point with with Villanueva, but I don't expect to have problems with the Castro and Pouncey. They're a big part big part of the problem in the run game. Jesse James is a big part of the problem in the run game. You know, um, we Vance McDonald, I, in the limited plays, he's a problem in the run game. I mean, we just – the Steelers, their biggest problems is uh, they don't block well and they don't tackle well. And those are two very important things <laughs> in football. They don't score well either. You're right. The third really important thing. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, Perch, you know, I, I I've always said that Coaching in any sport is easy to do and makes you look good when the players are on a hot streak and playing well and making plays and so on. It's the true test of coaching when players are not, you know, getting uh, themselves in good situations. They're not making plays. They're struggling to, you know, with consistency or mistakes, uh, you know, or even just in a crunch time situation. It's like, what do you, you know, what does your team do? How do you help them succeed? you know, have good opportunity to succeed. It's like, God might miss that last second shot, but if you drew it up to get him a wide open look and he missed it, that's different than you couldn't even figure out how to get the ball to him. Uh, I sort of feel like that's, that's really where we're at with this team. It's sort of, you know, last week would be an example of team doesn't really have flow. Team doesn't really not, not making the plays, just basic blocking and tackling that they're accustomed to making. You know, what, what do you do? In an ideal world, you're you're the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you correct that? Well, you go eight and eight. Is what you do. <laughs> you, you, you can't change a coach's ability by coaching him up. I mean, I, I don't know. Either you get better players or you get better coaches. Outside of Munchak, I can't think of a single coach on the Steelers staff that I think is excellent at their one of the best in the league at their position. Uh, you know, I, I think Chicago went into that game with a plan. Hey, the Steelers have struggled with this outside zone before. We know our receivers suck. We know our quarterback's garbage. We're just going to run the ball the whole damn game. And they went to this, even against Green Bay. They went with the same plan. And if you know what, if Aaron Rodgers lights us up and they beat us, they they go ahead and they blow us out. But this is our game plan. They were down, what were they, down 20-some points last night, and they ran three straight plays. The Steelers never ran three straight plays the entire game against against Chicago. It's just <laughs> you can't you can't improve the coaching during the season. You can't put a drain, brain transplant or fire and rehire a new coach or or you know get better players. Maybe the players play better. You know maybe Todd Haley starts calling plays in a better sequence or you know. But I don't see how it gets any better as far as the, the play calling and the coaching. I mean. Okay, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna give Butler not a pass, but I'm gonna give him at least a little bit of like I understand he's playing with Anthony Ciccolo, uh at one outside linebacker position. He's the safeties have all kinds of issues with injuries and and uh, you know new guys and whatever, and the two it is not there. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't think either unit. Here's the way I feel about it: I don't think either offense nor defense 
has really been terrible as far as NFL standards right now. I think that both units have actually been above average, but it's it's like the uh, you know the consistency or a mistake at the wrong time. That's the kind of thing that you know some of that you can put on coaching. But I'm starting to I'm starting to lean to FC. Go ahead. How could you say the offense is anywhere near average? I mean, they're not. They're not good. <laughs> because because on a play by play basis, like they are, you know, they're not getting stuffed on first down. They didn't do a good job last week of converting third downs, but in general, they've been pretty good at at uh, Look, down the distance. The Steelers' I'm offense is 20, 22nd best passing offense in the league. 22nd. That's worse nah, that, than that's not really. That's not that's 30th, yards though. That's not really true. 30th best run offense in the league and 16th in scoring. That's below average offense. It's not good. It's not average. It's bad, especially when you add in the factor we expect them to be top five. This was going to be no, a 30-point no, game you, offense, best in the league. Is this the best no, offense in the league, you, or is it the Falcons, or the Packers, or the Patriots? Those were the teams. Pittsburgh is horribly, horribly underperforming on offense. No, I was just oh, – what I, I'm not disagreeing that they're underperforming because that part's obvious, you know, with the talent level that they have. I guess, you know, I guess it's more, I'm more like saying it's not like you can expect just to uh, – it's not like law of averages – and they're just going to, you know, they'll be better the rest of the year. They just had a bad game. It just feels like the whole, both sides of the football have a, like a, like a malaise about them so far this year where they just don't really feel like they've kicked it into gear. Um, I mean, FC, I don't know if you, if you hear what I'm saying, if you're feeling me or not. Oh, I see. I, I, I'm I, I, starting I to lean with you points. about players. Sure, sure. I hear both your points. The first thing that I would do if I was Tomlin is uh, going into this week, um, I call Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger into my office. I may do it tomorrow or do it through the walkthrough today. And I said, well, um, guys, I think we need to shake things up. So, Ben, um, that script, write me 20 plays. You're writing the script. So he's going to pick the first 20 plays. If he has any success, or if there's success with that script of those 20 plays, he's calling the rest of the game. I don't give a fuck about the biz. I don't give a shit about Ben. You're gonna you're gonna have to hand the ball off. You can see what's a winner. You can see what's a loser. You can audible out of anything. This is your offense. Take control of it. If they have success this week, they win the game. If the things go well, I don't make this public. I do the same thing next week. At the end of the day, players make plays. They have to be confident in what they do. And Ben. Ben's the maestro. He's going to have to deliver the ball. And that's how I would solve it offensively. Defensively, starting this week, if they put out that type of performance, I throw every one of the motherfuckers under the bus. Can't Problem with the run game, Keith Butler was great. Problem was Ryan Shazier and Vince Williams. Problem was Bud Dupree. Problem was Mike Mitchell. I throw him right under the bus. You know, these are professionals. They're making a ton of money. Got a tackle in this league. We put them in positions to make plays. They have to make the plays, and they're not making plays. My opinion of the NFL, there's three ways you can send a message. You build their confidence. That's how I try to do with Ben in the offense. You fuck with their money, or you embarrass them. And the, the embarrassment and messing with their money go hand in hand because, you know, that's that's your only choice. I, I be, And I believe that Bud Dupree and Ryan Shazier are actually putting out fantastic effort but at some point 
you've got to have the results. You've got to finish. You have to make those plays. And they're not. And I mean, like I said about posing about Bud, posing about the Bud Dupree. I wish that he was soft or lazy or something like that. I can't really complain. I complain about the results, and that makes me any other fan. You know what I mean? Because I don't think there's much else he could do. Uh, I mean, I, although it is incredibly frustrating to watch Ryan Shazier miss tackles, I think he might have had five or six missed tackles on Sunday. Perch, do you, you know, like, is there is there the fact that he's disrupting these plays even when he misses tackles frequently? I mean, I guess I, I guess I wouldn't want to completely take this aggression out of him, but like, I don't, I don't know at this point in his career if you're, if you're going to have, if he's going to have the same sort of impact that he has if you try to. Uh, Rein him in, like I, you know. I wonder. I wonder if he's the, he's as useful as he's going to be, and you just have to accept the mistakes. I mean, what do you think? Well, you know what, he is what he is. He also gets the plays going sideline to sideline that no other inside linebacker in the league gets to. He's also going to miss plays right in the hole because he's slightly off balance and isn't doesn't have enough sand in his pants to to make those plays. That's who he is. So I, I guess I don't have as big of a problem with him as I do with a guy like Sean Davis, who in that last game, there was that play, third and three. We had a guy stopped. They ran the ball. We had him stopped. One guy had him wrapped up in the backfield. In came Sean Davis with nobody blocking him and just kind of like put his arms around him and laid him and didn't want to hit him with the shoulder because that might hurt. I don't know if he's still got an existing injury or what, but basically pulled the guy off the pile and let him run for seven yards. I mean, and Artie Burns just deciding, you know what, this run fit doesn't feel like a good idea. That 230-pound back's kicked my ass for the last hour or two. I'm just going to run over the side and turn. And then even that one play, it was a, a contested ball up in the air. Instead of him keeping his face towards the football and putting his arm in and smacking the ball away, he jumped and turned his body to hope his butt could somehow knock the guy off course. I mean, it was it, unlike anything I've ever seen. Like, what was he trying to do? He wanted to completely avoid contact. You, you've got two players in your secondary that are, what, second, third-year players now that, that that are supposed to be guys that are, uh, you know, uh, first and second rounders that are be the guys that fix your defense and purposefully avoid contact, it's a problem, you know. And Mike Mitchell, you know, God bless him, he wants to run in and knock everybody's head off, but he won't, rip, uh, you know, wrap up a tackle. So a lot of guys bounce off of his, I'm going to, you know, end your life uh, attempt hits that he, that he has. So you got a handful of guys out there that just are avoiding contact. You got a handful of guys out there that, maybe lack the sand in their pants or have an injury or whatever else or lack the skill level. Uh, and, you know, like FC said, if, if they're put into the proper position and they're missing the tackles, that's something that they need to be embarrassed about over the film room. And they watch film. I'd rewind that play 17 times and then make everybody on the team. Look at this, look at this guys, look what your teammate just did to you, you know, and, and if that doesn't motivate the guy for the next week, you replace it. That's just what it is. You're here. Yeah. That is the, that's the embarrassing. That's the embarrassed the guy, and I think you can do that, you know, in the in the film session better than you can even in the press. Although that's another you know famous way that coaches like to do that. <laughs> uh, I've seen the player. What was the first? It was the Parcells. <laughs> the Parcells. We're talking about the Terrell Owens, I think, referring to him as the player, or uh, Terry Glenn. Who was the he referred? She. Yeah, that's Terry Glenn. Terry Glenn. She. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they always have a way. Um, I don't know the play calling thing on offense. You know, going to the other thing you said, FC. You know, who knows what they're actually doing now? 
but it just feels like the you know the instant that you take away responsibilities from a coordinator, then it's like, why is he here? You know, it's from from his standpoint, from the organizational standpoint, from the optics standpoint of it. Design. You know, I just he, desi- he the designs. Guy, it's, I can't be the guy that complains about Todd Haley after I complained about Bruce Arians the way that I did <laughs> for six years on this fucking podcast. It makes me the ultimate hypocrite. I think that we could have Bruce Arians back. You know, it's just sometimes the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, I've learned that. I'm Haley's believe that. He doesn't even really design great offensive plays. I'm like, can we get Ken Wisenot back? Oh, that's right. He works from over. <laughs> I mean, the shuffle pass that everyone's so big on. I remember Antoine Randall ran it pretty slick, <laughs> you know, way back in the day, you know, under car. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you don't have to make it public about, you know, basically, or even, or just to make sure that Todd and Ben are on the same page where it's just like, you know, Ben going to come off the field and just say, look, dude, this shit just ain't fucking working. You know, I'm not getting killed here or anything, but the team is, and you can just see that the, as soon as Martavius Bryant dropped that pass. I was like, ah, oh, when Eli Rogers fumbled the ball, you can go look at Stuart Fury. I posted it, and I really – one thing I posted in the game thread, I was like, this team's going to end up fucking this game away. You watch. And – doesn't take much. As Perch said, the margin is – Momentum. Is way exactly. thin, man. It, it, especially, it, it, especially this time of year before you've really got it all together, it doesn't take much to derail you. You know, a, a, a muffed kick, a special teams block, a dropped pass, that's enough. A, a missed hold. Yeah. A holding, a phantom hold that's called against you that really didn't exist, you know. Um, a, a ball going off your foot, but they don't have the camera angle to show that it actually went off your foot. That happened yesterday in the Green Bay and the Bears game. Didn't really have a big effect on the game, but you know it, it happened. And you know, referees just basically said, "Oh, we didn't have a good angle." Stands is called, you know. <laughs> I'm not one to ever really blame the refs, especially since I got involved and I did it and I realized how difficult of a job it is. You know what I mean? You know, being <laughs> being being a back judge or a side judge, you know, people think it's just, oh, you basically done too shit. You actually do a lot more than people realize. Yeah. I it, mean, I you know, of course, I did it for a long from time high myself. school to college, and then the, the, the jump in the college to the pros is supposed to be a thousand times that of high school to college i can just imagine yep. yeah, so all, all true i don't know Perch, you want to have the last word on the, this before we move on that's all i have to say about that <laughs> <laughs> that a boy all right well we're going to spend instead of just doing our score predictions uh in the last segment about the ravens game we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about i mean we know that we know the team pretty well but just in terms of expectations for what they'll do, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I guess it's time for our uh, Around the League pick segment, brought to you by... Um, the ghost of Dean Blandino, um, my, Akeem Tlaib's mom, and uh, the meet-me-outside crazy little 15-year-old bitch that needs a beating. Um, catch me <laughs> outside, brought. I was like, I seen that girl on TV, I was like, oh my God, I beat her with a belt. And I know you're not supposed to hit girls and shit like that, but <laughs> if that was my daughter, her ass would be like sitting in the corner 
until she was 40. That's a, the, the least politically correct podcast in America. Ten years running, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Here we are. <laughs> That's great. You want to ask, would you like to, uh, never mind, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> you, you tempt me uh, over the course of ten years, but I, I'm yes. not going to go there. Um, I won't. It's it's a pretty good week for games. And last week was kind of like a Great dud game. where it was it was weird. It was on paper last week was a dud, but a lot of those favored teams that looked like easy winners lost last week, including right. the Um but uh, for the for the degenerates in the house, they say uh, Vegas they made almost a billion dollars last week, put it that way. 675 million they took in off of pro football. That's a lot of dough, and that's just vague, that's just the official Vegas number. Right, that's not in counting, you know. Your, your cousin Johnny, you get, the bookie. Right, <laughs> or the card, your <laughs> your parlay cards that you get from your buddies. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Perch, Kansas City is about the only team in the NFL who's been immune from poor play at the beginning of the season. Um, they go, they're at Kansas City. They host Washington. Redskins have been sort of, uh, they have had their moments this year. Uh, I don't know that going into Kansas City is a great environment for them, but could they make this game closer than a touchdown? Kansas City Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Redskins have got some talent. They're two and one. I watched them play last week, and they, they look pretty darn good. I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins is so streaky. Either is the best quarterback in the league or like the 30th. Yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot of middle ground for him. He's either he's Joe either Montana like, or Mike Tomczak. Exactly, and there, there's not a whole lot of middle ground with him. It's like he's got five or six great games a year, five or six horrible games, and then maybe a couple, one or two that are he's average, but he's just all across the board. Um, yeah, I think the Chiefs keep that game close. What's the line in that thing? Seven points? I think, seven, yeah. I think the Skins keep it down to a three- or four-point game. They may even win it. So Chiefs are due for a loss. Everybody in the league is going to have a loss by, like, week seven. Shockingly, I think you're spot on, Perch. I, I would not be the least – bit shocked <laughs> if the Redskins what a, actually... What a wonderful compliment, Perch. Shockingly, I think you're spot <laughs> No, 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 no. Perch and I often disagree on these. But he's also picking against... He's picking the Washington Redskins against the team that everyone has winning the Super Bowl at the AFC now. But, I mean, I think that it's more than a seven-point spread, too. I think that he's actually more than a touchdown favor. But I agree. Uh, um, I like Washington's offensive line. The... Okay, what's I'm the line? At the site, I, well, I'm just saying, I'm looking at the site that I look at every time since we started doing this. Sure. Um, and even if it's not the best one, at least it's consistent. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, they have Kansas City as a seven-point favorite. Seven points? Um, I would actually – I think yeah. the Redskins into seven points. I wish it was seven and a half because um, the Chiefs could end up winning by a touchdown. But I love the Washington Redskins offense and defensive lines. And it's not from just because of a talent. It's just that uh, they work as units. You could tell that they – you know. Uh, have a respect and they will try to pick each up, and I think that's a little bit of what the Steelers need. So, yeah, yes, I agree. a little bit unsung. Um, Denver hosting the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Denver's a three-point favorite. That's an interesting game. I mean, being that it's a division game, and those guys are you know they go back and forth pretty good the last couple of years. Um, I'm not sure Denver is as bad as people thought they were, and I'm not sure Oakland is as good. So it's an interesting matchup. Perch, what do you got to say about that? Um, yeah, I, I was really shocked to see how shitty Oakland looked last week, and I've been pretty shocked the first couple of weeks for how good Denton's office offense looked. So this is like the the make or break week for how I feel about these two teams. I think that overall, I think 
I think I could be wrong on this. I think Den or Oakland is going to be the team that you know out of those two that pushes for a playoff spot this year and, and maybe uh, pushes the Chiefs for that division. So I'm going to go Oakland uh, winning that game outright. Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll chime in. Uh, I think I think uh, Denver at home is going to hold serve. It's a little bit like uh, you know Baltimore the last few years against the Steelers. Uh, Denver wins a lot of those games at home against their division rivals, even in years where they're not all that good. And their defense is still pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll take I'll take Denver to cover. Uh, how about UFC? Three. No fly zone. Denver's hell at home. And uh, C.J. Anderson, is a, I think, will be able to run the ball with some success. I really I agree with Perch with what he was saying. Is I was shocked how poor Oakland looked. Um, so I, I think, you know, that mile high – Altitude, low oxygen. That's, uh, I'll take Denver. <laughs> Maybe uh, the Raiders are emulating the Steelers, you know, trying to play purposely bad early in the season so they don't right. peak too soon. <laughs> that could be it. Um, let's see. How about, uh, it, with, it's, strangely enough, is a game of importance uh, both in the their division and also in the NFL at large. Tennessee and Houston, you know, <laughs> Houston not really getting that much contribution out of J.J. Watt. They got a rookie quarterback who's, who's you know, made his share of mistakes already, um, you know, along with a couple of good plays. And uh, and yet they're, you know, they went to New England and nearly won that game. I, I get a feeling that they're not going to have as much offensive success in te- uh, at, te- uh, excuse me, facing Tennessee, but the game is in Houston. Tennessee's a one-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Uh, FC, what do you think about that? Um, I'm going to take Tennessee, and the reason I'm going to take Tennessee is uh, I trust Marcus Mariota more, and I trust Watson, who I actually think is a better having a better rookie season than I expected. And the main reason I'm on to pick uh, Tennessee is they can't Houston cannot get anything out of Lamar Miller, and uh, rookie quarterback, no run game. You know, I I'll put my money on you know LeBeau and. Uh, Malarkey and Wisenhut to be able to figure out how to score just a few more points than Houston. Though I, I do respect Houston's defense, but uh, I'll take the Titans. Arch, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on that same wagon. I think if you look at the roster of those two teams, the Titans are clearly the better and more talented team. Uh, just home field in the NFL is such a big advantage. Like, you know, it, it breaks a lot of ties and swings a lot of things your ways. That's the only thing that gives me any pause. But I think the, Tex- the Titans, I mean, the Titans uh, – Go in there and, and uh, win. I think they're favorites anyway, but they're going to win and cover. I think they win by by touchdown. Yeah, the uh, it's a it's a big week for road favorites, uh, which is you know after last week's debacles of some of the favorite teams on the road, you think that that would be less the case. But at any rate, and it's always interesting. Those road those I you know I'm not a degenerate enough gambler. FSA, you'll have to tell me. Don't you don't you just look for road road favorites and pick them apart? Isn't that what degenerates do? I, a lot of them will. I mean, um, road favorites in the NFL is not a way to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just because of what we see. Some people call it parity. It's just you're not going to make a ton of money picking, you know, road favorites in the NFL unless you're picking New England from three or four years ago when they went, you know, 50, or went undefeated. That was or the Steelers in uh, I want to say 2005 were very good road favorite teams, but uh, no, you don't want to do yeah, that. It's like the one time in my lifetime, well, mm-hmm. the one time in the last 
20 years. The Steelers are a really good road team. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, well, that brings us to uh, the, the road favorite. Uh, oh, actually, wait, before we get into that, um, did you guys, either guys see the game last night? I watched half of it. it so you, uh, if you watched half, you missed the hit. The, uh, the, 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 the oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. I did not see that live, but, yeah, I did. Uh, oh, I, boy. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, my fear is, A, that you've got to punish that guy, but then that the, the way the NFL works is that they're going to send a message to somebody who makes a hit that is a legitimate hit but looks bad, and they'll use that as the, they'll fly their flag up that flagpole. Um, and I just, you know, I just know when you – I've watched – I follow the Pittsburgh Steelers for long enough to know that they'll, they will have a target on their backs and that it could be very easy to lose a, a Ryan Shazier or, you know, Bud Dupree or uh, Mike Mitchell for a long period of time. Uh, anyway, no, it was a horrible hit, though. I, I, the thing that I, I just wanted to say about it I don't think you can give him more in a game. Yeah. I don't think – because Trevathan doesn't have a history, and he's been around the NFL for a long time now. But that was that was vicious. That was premeditated. And that was a guy. Yeah, he had the guy lined up. He had the guy oh, wrapped absolutely. up. Someone else had him wrapped up and everything. That's the difference to me. This hit. That's not the biggest thing. Yeah. It was completely well, unnecessary. The guy was down. He right. was being tackled. Where's the no fucking ref's whistle, man? That's that's yeah. a big part of our job is refs, man. It's protecting his players. You know, yep. be, be to be in. God. I mean, I sat there and I was like, blow the whistle. I even said it. And, uh. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a lot more serious than it was. The way that, oh, because yeah. the way that mouthpiece went flying, and uh, he was out before his head hit the, off the ground the first time, and I was just like, "Oh no, no!" Because I like my football violent. Don't get me wrong. I would hate to see something tragic happen on the field. I'm blessed that I wasn't alive to see the Jack Tatum, Daryl Stingley hit, or I might have been alive, but I'm too young to remember that. Or whatever you know, he was handicapped. Even if, I remember Mike Gottlieb. Yeah, I, I remember Mike Gottlieb breaking his neck, and I was just like, "That was bad enough." Ugh. Yeah. No, none of us, none of us wants to see that. You know, you just don't want to have it uh, have this pall over the game because they can't figure out that. You know, sometimes it's it's when it's premeditated and it's bad, you you punish it and you try to take it out of the game. And when it's just hard football, sometimes shit is going to happen too. With Gervaisen, um, so I think he'll I get think... one game. If one, if Perfect may would have made that exact same hit, I think he might have got the season. How about that? Sure. But sure. You have well, well, let's hope we don't. Let's hope we don't right. find out in a couple of weeks when we're there. Right. Um, anyway, so uh, our Pittsburgh Steelers, for some reason, are a three-point favorite in this game against Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I. I uh, you know, I'm I'm a homer in a certain respect. In that, you know, I know this team better than most. Uh, I believe in their potential probably a bit more than I should, so on and so forth. But I, I can't imagine that they deserve to be a three-point favorite in this game. I think at the, you know, at the very least, it's sort of a pick'em game. So I'm gonna start with UFC this week. Um, you know, what what do you think happens in this game? Not not just the score, but you know. Okay. One or two things through uh, your scenario in your mind. Right. One one or two things are going to happen. I kind of got to it earlier. Um, the series are going to come out and play one of those best games of the year, or they're going to come out and they're going to lay an egg. Um, if the Steelers come out <laughs> with the, the 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 mindset to win this game seventeen fourteen, 
they're going to lose this game 17-14. If they come out with the mindset where enough is enough, you know, let's just do our thing, let's play to our talent level, I think they could win this game going away. I'm going to pick, because I, I have this very, 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 very smart cohort that I do this podcast with that two weeks ago picked against the Pittsburgh Steelers because he really believed it. I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens to win this game 17-14. to 14. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Perch, what do you what do you think happens? Oh, I guess you got to read some of the tea leaves of what's been going on this week, uh, first and foremost. Um, it looks like Eli Rogers has been uh, re- removed from his punt return duties, and Antonio Brown's taken his old job back. Great. If you watch this, yeah, if you watch what's going on the last three games, Eli Rogers' snaps have gone down, and Juju Smith-Schuster's have gone up. Uh, so, yep. you know, and they've also kind of uh, alluded to the fact that um, – uh, Justin Hunter is going to get a hat this week. So I think Eli Rogers goes from the starting slot uh, receiver to being completely benched. Um, it looks like everybody's practicing today, but Harrison's got that slew now, which he doesn't play anyway, so who cares about that? But uh, uh, Brandon Williams being out uh, for for the uh, the Ravens is, uh, I think, a pretty big development. But it looks like Ben Watson's practicing today, so uh, the Ravens' leading uh, receiver is, is going to be in. Put that all together, you know, typically in these Steelers-Raven games, it's a 13-10 game. It's an ugly, sloppy football game that you bite your nails, and it's horrible to watch. I'm going to go the other way this year. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go Raven 17, Pittsburgh 13. (laughs) You say a high-scoring game? (laughs) 17-13, more than 13-10, right? Correct. Well, well, first of all, first, first off, uh you you picked my score exactly um i i think you know here's how i see this the fact that brandon williams is out will likely result in this being uh a you know that, that that's an open invitation for the steelers to run the football and i i got no problem with them you know having a good run game but as we've seen before already at baltimore they're inclined to be very unaggressive in terms of how they approach attacking the Ravens and they don't really open it up against them until they're forced into that situation. That's, that's been the case for the last few matchups that they've played. Um, just that is going to be an invitation to get the running game going. If, you know, if you're Todd, if you're Todd Haley, you see that and you're licking your chops about running living on bell uh, and, and trying to get him quote unquote back on track in this game as your secondary objective. Um, I think that right away keeps the score down. Uh, and it might even get you in a position where you're in danger of, of uh, you know, if your, your defense gives up a couple of big plays with their inconsistency, as they seem uh, likely to do, that it could put you behind the eight ball. So I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that. I like the idea that Justin Hunter is dressing, um, you know, but on the other hand, is that a, you know, is his playing time going to come at the expense of Martavis Bryant? And if so, is that a good idea? Uh, does it come at the expense of uh, Jesse James in the in the red zone? Probably not. You know, so I guess I'm trying to figure out where that piece fits in. That being that they made that so public this week that he's going to get a hat and he's going to play. Um, I don't know. I have no idea how to predict what 
this team will will do in a game against the Ravens or a game on the road, let alone both a game on the road and versus the Ravens. And I just I don't really have a sense of what they're how they see their own offense and how they plan to make it uh, the top flight offense that we expect it to be with that talent level. And I I think this is the bottom out week, not the rebound week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Steelers beat Green Bay, beat New England in Pittsburgh later this year. But I'm very, very concerned about this game. I have it as Ravens 17, Steelers 13. Ben, by the way, a uh, little tidbit for you guys. Ben Roethlisberger has only won twice uh, in Baltimore over his entire career. Both games, the Steelers scored 13 points on a late touchdown. So get ready for more of the same, you guys. You're here. Uh, any any last words since we all hate our Steelers right now? Perch, <laughs> how about you? Uh yeah, I mean, just if you're the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you have a very talented roster the way that this team does, there is absolutely no excuse to be 0 for 4 in your last four games on the road in Baltimore against your biggest rival and whatever their record is over the last 10. I know Baltimore, I think, was one out of the last 10. Seven of the last 10 against the Steelers. They need to sweep those assholes this year. So hopefully they uh, prove us wrong and, and make it a happier podcast next week. I don't think they will because Steelers, but uh, hopefully they turn it around. Because hashtag Steelers. Uh, FC, final word? I'll make this kind of quick, as quickly as possible. Um, everyone in the media is making such a big deal about this national anthem thing, and I can understand it. It's been forced down our throats. Um, the one thing that drove me crazy um, is watching them misquote and misrepresent um, Alejandro Villanueva, who has more pride, honor, integrity, dignity than probably 99.9% of the people walking this earth. And for him to apologize, not only to apologize, but to actually mean it, um, the Rangers have a saying, which is uh, Rangers lead the way. And... uh, I don't give a fuck if Alejandro Villanueva turns into Oliver Ross at left tackle. I'll never badmouth him again. He's a better human being than any Pittsburgh Steelers fan deserves to have on his team. And he may not be the best left tackle, but he's probably the best person to ever represent this or- this team or this organization. And that includes Rocky Blyer or whoever else you can name. So I won't be surprised if that Ranger leads the way this week against Baltimore in Baltimore. But we shall see. Uh, well said. I, I just, you know, I got mad that people were uh, accusing him of lying. <laughs> I was just like, wait, you're, you're suggesting, if all the people to accuse of lying, I think you might be parking up the wrong tree no matter what side of the political fence. Another quick anyway. thing I'm going to slide in there. Please remember that this board was founded pretty much and run by a guy that is a fucking career army guy, man. So please don't be disrespectful of the military. None of you guys obviously are. But if you're listening to this and you see someone being disrespectful of the military or something like that, just remember, you know, a fucking Fury is a great, great guy and steel clan. And we have so many people that served our country. 
don't be disrespectful of the military, you know? And it's just, this whole thing is has nothing to do with the military, but that's what it's morphed into. And I was actually disgusted at times at our board, just reading the stuff. Just, guys, I mean, we have fucking fantastic people. Though I may have problems with some of them at times. Just, just remember, you know, that, you know, we're all Steeler fans and we go to this board and we watch football to avoid the bullshit of politics. Just be nice to each other. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you guys to that next week on the show. Yes, sir. Perch, <laughs> you better, you better. Are you in? No, I'm out on that one. <laughs> What's the word for it? Listen, gentlemen, uh, take it easy. Be kind to each other and other human beings. It actually is a fairly good strategy for life. Uh, you may not get the farthest ahead, but you probably have a, a bigger wake. Um, <laughs> and that, on that note, uh, let's hope we talk after a gigantic Steelers victory that we're all wrong about uh, on next week's show. And thank you, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to FC and Steel Perch and Steel Fury uh, and all the other folks at uh, SteelerFury.com and uh, elsewhere in Steelers Nation. Go get them, Steelers. Those Steelers. Well, that's all the time for the podcast today. I just want to thank those of you who have gone to iTunes and uh, given us a positive review. That kind of stuff totally helps and uh, really appreciate it. As always, remember, if you really like the podcast, you can, in fact, support the podcast by making a donation at SteelerFuryPodcast.com. Look for the little button in the lower left-hand corner. We really appreciate it. Steeler Fury. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.